Our text today is Matthew 14, or excuse me, Exodus 14, 1 through 14. Got Matthew on my mind for some reason. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pi-Hahirath, between Migdol and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal-Zephon, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, what have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready and took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with the officers in each one. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out defiantly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them by, uh, as they camped by the sea beside phi in front of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because there's no graves in Egypt? You have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Yes, amen. You may be seated. Yes, you know, the most important thing this morning is that you hear from God, not from me. And in order for that to happen, we got to do some praying, right? So I'm going to kind of guide you through this, but I want to ask you to pray in your heart and just pray that God can speak to you and that you will hear what he's saying. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for worship, God. We thank you for the worship team. <clears throat> God, we thank you for all our nursery workers, our kid workers, and the people in kids' church that are serving this morning. We pray your blessings over them. And God, now as we gather in here, we pray that our desire is that all of this would come under your kingdom authority rule, that you'd reign and rule over everything that happens here in this space at this time, in this moment. So you pray something like this. God, open my spiritual eyes and ears. Help me to hear and see what you want me to hear and see from the text this morning. God, my, I pray that you help me be faithful to the text, and God, I just pray that Right now, that you just stir in everybody's hearts. God, all of us, just stir in our hearts. Draw us to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. You agree with that? Say amen this morning. Amen. I remember whenever I got these glasses for the first time, 
about 25, 30 years ago. It was something like this, a contrast. I had been living my life with, I mean, everything was out of focus. Everything was blurry. And whenever I realized I had bad vision, and I got it checked, and I got the glasses, I knew that something was desperately different whenever I went to walk out of the, the optometrist's office and I missed the doorknob when I reached down. And then when I walked outside, I was shocked when I could see the individual blades of grass and the individual. I did not realize I was not seeing that. And I was going years and years. I did not realize that my vision, slowly but gradually, had gotten worse and worse and worse. And here's what I will say to you. I know what you're expecting. You're like, oh, David, you're going to talk about how our spiritual vision gets worse and worse and worse. No, no, no. I'm telling you that you were born spiritually blind. Okay? So it's not, it's not so much that you may not be your spiritual vision is getting blurry and blurry. I'm saying that you were born blind and then supernaturally God gives us a vision to see spiritually. Now, after that point, now I would do that. I'll say that sometimes, yes, that because of sin, life, things like that, our spiritual vision does get blurry. And here's the thing about this is that when it does, so many times we don't even realize this has happened in our life. So I'm just, I'm, so like, I'm wondering this morning how many of us were in Christ, we're saved, we're born again, headed to heaven, heaven's coming to us, but we don't realize that our vision spiritually, that it has gotten blurry and we need some kingdom vision correction. Are you willing to consider that this morning? Yes. Look at this, Ephesians Paul around the church at Ephesus, he says, I pray. So here's his prayer for the church at Ephesus. This is a prayer. Look at this. I pray that the eyes of your heart, did you know that your heart had eyes? It has spiritual eyes, okay? I will pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know, because you need to know something. What is the hope of his calling? Because every single one of you in Christ Jesus, you've been called. You've been called to salvation, and you've been called to join God in his kingdom work. What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the same? Let's talk about this word enlightened right here, okay? This word right here, this is protozo. Protozo, that's where we get like photo and stuff like that. That means to, to photosynthesis, all of this were English word on that. So what he's saying right here is that I'm praying that your eyes, man, that the light of Jesus is going to hit that, reflect off of it, and do something inside of you. Do you realize something? That if you're in Christ Jesus, that you are carrying the light into a dark world. You need that light. You need that exposure. You need that inside of you. The world around you needs that. Your family needs that. Your job, people in your community, they all need that light shining from you. Look at this. Let's go on that prayer a little bit more. And what is the immeasurable? Because you can't measure this. This is immeasurable. You cannot put a measurement on this. The immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. So this power is coming at you. Are you dodging the power this morning? I mean, are you dodging the light going into the darkness? Because your flesh wants that. Your flesh wants you to go to the darkness. It's pulling you that way. But then there's an immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. Are you believing in Jesus this morning? Somebody say amen. amen. According to the mighty working of not your strength. You see that, church? It's not your strength working. It's his strength working in. And th that's the good news today. Some of y'all think y'all got to be strong, and you're not. 
The only strength there really is, it is in Christ. That's the only real strength. That's the only real courage. This morning as we talk about kingdom vision, you may be feeling like, man, I'm just not a very courageous Christian. Let me tell you something. That isn't something that you just buck up within yourself. That is a gift from God. Whenever our faith is placed in the right person, that changes everything. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. He's speaking to Nicodemus. Unless someone is born again, he cannot. I want to see the kingdom of God. Anybody else with me? Do you want to see the kingdom? He says, first of all, you've got to be born. And really, the better translation for this right here, for born again, this is genoth right here. Genoth is where we get like generation. A Nathan right here. Better translation for that actually would be born from above. King James Version put born again. Listen, born again is not bad. Still a good translation. I like born from above a little bit better. Makes it a little bit more sense to me. Hey, hey, listen. You have to realize something. How much of a decision did you have in your physical birth? So Jesus says that you've been born from above. That's something that God has done, put within your heart. And it is a gift, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. So if you're sitting here today and you say, man, I'm saved. I've been, I have been born again. I've been born from above. Then you have got a gift from God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You should be a whole lot happier than what you look right now, by the way, by that. Look at this. Okay, so, man, you say, David, what you trying to do with those Greek words right here? Look at this. You see where we're at? John 3. Still in John 3, just a few verses down, same author God is writing through. He uses this. He says, the one who comes from above, that same word right there, Athanon right here, from above. He say, the one who comes born again, the one who comes from above is above all, is Christ. The one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who is, comes from heaven is above all. So just want to show you another time that word is used. Now, we're about to get to Exodus, by the way. Y'all ready for Exodus this morning? I, listen, I know it's Palm Sunday, okay? I, there's a lot of new faces. I was watching you guys walking in. A lot of y'all I have never seen before, and you come to church on Palm Sunday, and you're probably expecting me to preach out of Matthew. I mean, I think our brother that was reading a while ago, Jim, tried to get us in Matthew. <laughs> Here's what I want to tell you. We go verse by verse of the Bible. We hit Christmas. We hit Easter. We keep going verse by verse through the Bible. So if you come this morning, you're like, man, I want to hear a Palm Sunday sermon. Well, don't know what to tell you. This is what we got, okay? <laughs> Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds. So your mind can be blind. Look at this. Of those who don't believe. So there's a bunch of people that don't believe in Jesus. And here's what the Bible's saying. The reason that they don't believe in Jesus is because Satan has blinded their ability to comprehend something here. And it says, they are unable to see the glorious light. See, there it is again. See, are you seeing something that's kind of moving through the scriptures right here? The glorious light of the good news. The reason that good news is capitalized because this is in the Greek is euangelion, the gospel. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact icon, say, theos right here, likeness, the icon of God, the representation of God on earth. They can't get it because their eyes have been blinded. Listen, I'm trying to get you excited this morning, okay? That's good news that I got that's coming to you right now, that if you see Jesus, if you see in the kingdom, that is a gift from God to you. All right, here we go. This over here is where our story started. This is Goshen. This is Egypt right here. We've got the nation of Israel. This is Canaan. This is the promised land. This is Israel. 
God is going to get them. It's a two-week journey right through here. But as we saw two weeks ago, God takes them on a roundabout way, a zigzag path through the wilderness, and we're going to get them all the way down to this little beach, big beach, actually, big beach right here. This is the Red Sea. This is the um, Gulf of Okafor right here coming up through. They're separating out these two sides, Mount Sinai. I believe it's over here. I'm just going to tell you, this is what I think, all. And if you've seen a great documentary that proves me wrong, then great. Glad you saw that. I didn't see it. I'm still hanging on to this, okay? I'm just reading the scripture, and this is what I get from reading the scripture, okay? I may be wrong. I wasn't there. Nobody knows exactly where these places were, where they all happened exactly. But I'm just going to show you from me reading the scripture, this is where I think it happened. If I'm wrong, we're all going to still get to heaven in Christ. Here we are. Then Yahweh, he spoke to Moses. We see that so many times in Exodus. Tell my son Israel in the Hebrew is what it says to turn back because they're, they're moving in a direction. See, listen, you're about to miss something right here if you're not listening. They're fixing to have to turn around and go backwards. God has fixed it. It's taking them on a trip away from Pharaoh, away from Egypt, away from their enemy, away from their slavery, away from everything that they are trying to escape. And they get to a certain point, and God says, okay, now you turn around and go back towards Pharaoh, back towards Egypt. This does not make logical sense. Hey, hey listen, you want to follow Jesus, and you want logic, you're in for a heartache there. If you're going to follow Jesus, you there's one thing I can guarantee you. There's going to be times he is going to lead you in the way that does not make a bit of sense. And there will be a group of people that love you dearly around you, circling you, saying, what are you doing? How can you do this? This does not make sense. You have lost your ever-loving mind. Turn back and camp in front of Fahacharoth between Migdal and the sea. You must be camped in front of Belzephon. That's a cross on the other side of the gulf, okay? Facing it by, facing it by the sea. So Fahacharoth right here, what does this mean? This means mouth of the gorges or pass of the gorges. Do you see that? Say amen if you see that. Okay, so here we are. Here's this gulf. These right here are mountains. That looks like some rough terrain to me, by the way. Okay, so here's what I want to show you. So right here is where that, that beach is, where I believe that even Solomon believed this. Solomon put up two poles. He put a pole up on this side and a pole up on, this, on that side, marking the crossing of the Red Sea. So I'm in agreement with Solomon also. The wisest man who ever lived next to Jesus, okay? So that documentary you saw, it goes against Solomon also if you're not with us on this. Here's what I want to show you. So right through this mountain range, this, this is a mountain range. Right through this mountain range, there is a clear, flat, small path. That leads them, see, they're coming out right here to this massive beach that'll hold about three million people. With mountains all on this side and the Gulf of the Red Sea, Gulf of Aqua, the Red Sea on this side, perfect landing place to be trapped. Here it is, modern day. There's the Gulf of Aqua. That's what that path looks like. There's the mountains around it. Here you go, number one. God leads them right into a trap. God's wisdom is greater than human strategy. Anybody testify to that this morning? You live long enough to try to strategize on God, you'll learn that one. Yep. And he can turn a dead end 
into an opportunity to show himself strong, show you weak, show himself strong. So I got to ask you this morning. I'm looking around at a lot of faces. Here's what I know from experience. There's a lot of people in here right now. You're listening to me right now, and you feel trapped. You feel trapped in a relationship. You feel trapped in a job. You feel trapped in your house. You feel trapped in your health. You feel trapped. There's all kinds of ways. Your finances, there's all kinds of ways that we can feel trapped in this life. And I know this from experience that many of you right now, you're like, man, I am trapped. I am caught. I'm in a tight spot. Man, there's sea on this side. There's mountains on this side. And the devil's coming after me with all his minions. And there's no way out. So if that's the way you feel this morning, then good news for you. You don't need that Good Friday or that you need a Good Friday sermon. You don't need the Palm Sunday sermon. You need the Word of God right now coming to you. That's why you're here, by the way. So Pharaoh will say, how did God know what Pharaoh was going to say? It's as if he's omnipresent, omnipotent. He's God. Pharaoh will say to the Israelites, man, they are wandering around the land in confusion. All that zigzagging, circling back around. <laughs> Look at this. And the wilderness has boxed them in. And it did. They were boxed in. They were in a bad place. None of us would have walked out there on that day and said, man, this is perfect right here. Mountains on that side, Red Sea on that side, Pharaoh coming at you. Great. <laughs> Look at this. Who else got to see? Psalm 7, 15 through 16. This is what the Bible says about those who oppose God and oppose God's people, oppose God's people that are joining him in his kingdom work. So I got good news for you today. If you're in the kingdom of God and you're joining God while he's doing his kingdom work, here's the good news. Anybody, anything that ever opposes God, here's what the Bible says. They dig a deep pit to trap others. They'll try to trap you. Anybody, you ever tried to be trapped when you're serving God? Then they fall into that same trap themselves. You know the story of Haman, Esther? Yeah. Gets the, yeah, man, that's a good one. You should read that one. They trouble. The trouble they make for others, it backfires. You ever heard of hell's backfires before? That's a terminology. Sometimes the people who are working for the devil, they go do all these mean things to God, and it all backfires on them. The trap they set for God's people, they, they end up in that trap. And this is what we're going to see happening to Pharaoh next week. What a, listen, God has done a sweet thing for us. Next week on Resurrection Sunday, we're going to go cross the Red Sea. The Red Sea, listen, do you get that? I didn't do this, by the way. This God did this. The greatest miracle in the Old Testament is going to meet the greatest miracle of all time, the death, the burial in the ocean, crossing over, resurrection to new life. Man, I'm already excited. I'm ready for next Sunday, man. God is good. The trouble they make for others backfires on them. The violence they plan falls on their own head. Somebody need to see that this morning. Because you think you're trapped. You think they got you. They don't. There's a whole bunch of stories in the Bible of people who were trapped. No hope. God led them intentionally where they could not get themselves out. And he showed himself strong over and over. Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and the band go in the fiery furnace. Well, that's a good, Jonah and the big fish. It wasn't a well, it was a big fish. And there's Esther in the plot. That's it. There, Esther, Esther, one through nine. Read that one. That's the one about Haman right there. Boy, that dude got it, man. Came right on his, he hung from the gallows that he made. Job, 
Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Paul and Silas, their escape, we saw those in Acts. We went through Acts and Paul's shipwreck. And then the greatest one of all, of course, Resurrection Sunday coming at us next week. Hey, by the way, we will have child care. We will have kids ministry going on. All of our kids ministry for next Sunday will be just like it always is, okay? Back to our text. So God, look at this. God says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Do you know why it says that? Because you remember a few weeks ago, Pharaoh's heart got softened with the death of his firstborn son. Do you remember that? All of a sudden, he complies with God's kingdom plan. I'm going to let them all go. And now he's going to let them all go. He's like, they're like, they're standing out there in the doorways just kicking out all their gold and silver. Say, take it. Just get out of here. Because God can do that. He can get even your enemies who are like, they will comply with his plan. His heart was softened. But just like so many times, even for you and I, when our hearts get softened, all we got to do is take a little bit of time and they will harden back up. So when, it, when the crisis has passed, oh, I'm too tired to go to church today. I don't really feel like reading my Bible. Oh, everything's good today. Don't need to pray. I want to, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them because God's always going to get glory. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something. You may not like God. You may be angry with God. You may think that God is unfair, that he's unjust, and that he's dealt you a hard hand. But let me tell you something. He's a good God. Regardless of what we feel and what we think and what our circumstances are in life, he is a good God with a good plan. And here's what I can tell you. He's going to get glory. He deserves the glory, and he's going to get the glory. And the sooner that you and I come around to that realization, realize, hey, you know what? Life will go a whole lot easier for me if I start bringing glory to God instead of fighting that glory. Then I tell you what, life will be a... Listen, God isn't, isn't concerned with you and I pouting. God isn't concerned with us getting our feelings hurt and pouting and all that and being babies. What God is concerned with is your sanctification. That's you becoming more like Jesus. Now, I'm going to receive my glory by means of Pharaoh, that dude that's so evil. One of the most, he's one of the, man, he's right there with Adolf Hitler, one of the worst dudes that ever lived in all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh. So the Israelites did this. So to flip over your sheet, look on the back of your sheet, if you would, right quick, please. There's all that, and there's a, there's a Bible text for you to study that, ways we give God glory, why we give God glory, and then there's a bonus below that. So if you don't flip back over, that's to show you that that's there. You study that on your own. I'm sorry, but I don't have time to cover that right now. You cover that on your own with the Holy Spirit. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, man, Pharaoh and his officials, they changed their minds about the people that said, man, what have we done? You ever heard of buyer's remorse? And he's got releaser's remorse. He like has let them all go. And they're thinking, wait, they're, and they, 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 all their gold and their silver, they kicked it out of the house, and there goes not only all of their riches, but then their future riches are going too. And now he's kind of like coming back, and he's like, man, I regret doing that. Have you ever made a purchase that you regret? Man, I wish I could go back and undo that. Ever made a decision that you regret? Do you have any regrets? Yeah. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something. Do you know what the Bible's trying to help you with? The Bible is trying to help you avoid your next greatest regret. <laughs> I mean, like, right now, the Bible and God and the Holy Spirit are trying to rescue you from yourself. You think you need rescuing for Pharaoh. You really need rescuing from you. Man, whatever have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. Number two, making hasty 
emotionally driven decisions. Without taking proper time for prayer and reflection often leads us to some of our biggest regrets. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something, okay? We live, I know that we live in a digital age, and I know that you probably heard this, but some of y'all need to be reminded. That thing that you wanna post on social media, you need to wait till tomorrow. You need to sleep on that and pray on that. That text message that you wanna send, you might wanna pray about that and take your time on that. Because whenever your emotions are running hot, and you th- you're looking at that sin button, hey listen, it's a different world than it was years and years ago with our grandparents and stuff like that where you had to go face to face or talk to people or maybe call them on a phone, a dial-up phone rotary. Whole lot different now. Let me tell you something, guys. If you think about some of your biggest regrets, there's gonna be a whole lot of emotion built into what happened in that, isn't there? So he got his chariot ready and he took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots. What? Now why is he getting the best chariots? Why is he going after a bunch of ex-slaves that have no weapons with his best chariots? And the rest of his chariots, he got every single one of them, an officer in each one. Why is he doing that? You know why he's doing that? Because that is intimidation. That is a tactic of your enemy, by the way, is to intimidate you. Hey, you that are in Christ Jesus, do you realize something? You are already victorious over the devil. He's a defeated foe. You know that, right? Jesus defeated the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He has defeated. He has already lost. So now all he's trying to do is just trying to scare you into submission, just trying to scare you into coming back under his authority, trying to, trying to convince you that you're not who you are in Christ Jesus, trying to get you to not understand your identity in Christ. Amen. Hey, man, listen, let me tell you something. If this past week, if you thought, oh, man, I'm just not a very good Christian, and neither are any of the rest of us. It's not about how good we are, how bad we are. It's about our position. I tell you this every time. It's not about your performance. It's about your position. When you get that position right, your performance will follow. Quit trying to get your performance first. Get your position first. That changes your heart. That gives you the ability to do what you can't do. Quit trying to work your way into God's good graces. You've already got his good graces in Christ. Your position don't let the enemy lie to you and don't believe the lie. Amen. Here he comes, intimidating. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out, <laughs> this is so funny, going out defiantly. So I had to look that up. What, that, what does it mean by because when they left out, and they're kicking out all the gold and the silver, you know, man, they're gathering it all up, and they're walking out, chest is out, the chest is bowed out, and well, we, so I looked that up. <clears throat> Shazak right here, that means with boldness, with a strong hand, it also means with a hand lifted up. They were walking out. I would see them walking out just praising God boldly, man. Our enemy is defeated. Just like while I go and I say it, some of you are like, amen, that's right, that's it. And we're good on that, man. On Sunday morning in church, tell me that, man. I'm feeling good right now. But then whenever we get trapped and boxed in, the story changes. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, man, it must have been a sight to see the most powerful army in world history this time. They chased after them, and they caught up with them as they camped by the sea beside Faha Haroth in front of Bel-Zephon. Reminding you, (laughs) they get through here. They're all landed out here, and this is the only way in, the only way out. Sea surrounding them, mountains, that's where they are. And all of a sudden, they look up, and here comes Pharaoh. 
all of his army, bad intentions. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, they looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. Exclamation mark. The Israelites were, wait, wait a second, what happened to going out with their hands lifted up? Defiant and proud and, and courageous. What happened now? Now when they see the army go, they're terrified, and they did the right thing. They cried out to the Lord for help. We're moving in the right direction, man. This is good, because when we get in a tight spot, we should be praying. We should be looking to God to deliver us, amen? No, but they said to Moses, is it because there's not enough graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? <laughs> oh, man. I bet Moses could write a book that said things I should have said. <laughs> I mean, they're standing there. Moses is listening to them. Over his shoulder is a manifest presence of God that's leading them. And they're like, why are you leading us out here? Moses could have been like, yeah, you, you figured me out. That's why I led y'all out of Egypt out here because we're all going to die. Because we don't want to make any more graves in Egypt. We want all to die out here. That's it. You figured me out. Shouldn't someone have said, wait a second. There's a manifest presence of God. Moses isn't leading us. God is leading us. Why do they turn against Moses when God's the one that's leading them? Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. As we go through this story, I do not envy Moses. Man, it, I mean, like, it's one after another after another. So let me tell you something. Some of y'all, many of you, have been hurt in church. And you come walking in this church, you're sitting down here, and some of you are sitting here, and you're like, I'm just going to sit here, and I hope they leave me alone because I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get engaged again because I've been hurt before and I don't want to get hurt again. And that's, your, that's, that's a natural response for us, but I want to tell you something too. That's the enemy whispering in your ear. So let me tell you this. Is our church like all the rest of the churches? In some ways, yeah. Yeah, I mean like, will you get hurt if you serve here? Probably. I mean, I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you. Go, man, our church is perfect. It's great. And everybody's great. And nobody ever hurts your feelings. Your feelings will get hurt. <clears throat> Does your feelings get hurt in your family? Does your feelings get hurt at your job? Hmm. So we expect to come to church with a bunch of other people that are in process and not have our feelings hurt? You've got to ask yourself a question. If you're saying, I'm not going to get engaged, where's that voice coming from? Is that coming from God telling you don't serve because you might get hurt? Don't think it is. That voice may be coming from somewhere else. And your flesh, once again, is going to agree with it. And here's what I can tell you. One day you will regret that. That will be a regret. But if you're going to get in there and you're going to serve, you're going to say, hey, they may hurt me, but I'm going to serve. I'm going to tell you what, one of these days you'll give an account for that. And you'll, you'll receive your reward. You'll be glad you got engaged and you did what you did. Because, listen, the Bible says... Show me one place in the Bible that says you're going to get everything you want. That serving Jesus is easy. Following Jesus, show me one place. I can show you a whole bunch of places that said, for I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. Jesus said, if you're going to come follow me, you've got to be willing to take up your cross every day. You're going to suffer. It's going to be hard. 
So listen, I'm not going to get in here this morning and sugarcoat it and make you think, oh, this is all easy peasy and good. Man, it's all great roses. And man, it's just like I mean, unicorns and all that. They're going to be tooting out Skittles everywhere you go. It's just a wonderful <laughs> thing. It's not like that. It is quite the opposite. It is going to be, there's going to be times where you're going to be following God and it's going to lead you right down to the beach and there's going to be mountains behind you and the devil and all coming after you and you're going to have nowhere to go. And, you're going, and listen, you did everything right. What did they do wrong to end up here? They did exactly what God told them. They went exactly where God, and they were trapped. You will do that if you follow Jesus. It will be hard. It will be beyond your capability because Jesus and God are trying to get you to the place where they can show themselves strong in your life, build your faith, show you that it's not about you, it's about them, and about you having faith and being obedient. Is it... (laughs) Everybody said, isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone. Moses is like, I wish I would have left y'all alone. <laughs> Moses could have been like, listen, at the, at the burning bush, I told God I didn't want to mess with y'all. I know how y'all are. Then you leave us alone so we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us. Oh, man. So some of y'all, you're struggling with your teenage kids. Some of you are struggling with your adult kids. Because they look at their friends, and their friends are having so much fun. And you're on the other side of this, and you're watching your kids, and you're, you know that where that fun ends, that that fun ends in destruction. That unravels in the end, and it ends in a bad place. And you are, it's breaking your heart as you watch this. Let me tell you something. You can talk till you're blue in the face, and you can't change somebody else's mind. But here's what I can tell you. You can pray, and God can change their heart. You know, I get up here and I tell you, every time I'm preaching, you got to be praying, you got to be reading your Bible. The most important thing you got to be praying is you're praying for those kids, you need to be praying for them that you'll see what God is doing in their life. Because he's doing something, even in their rebellion. And that you will join him in that. Because listen, you might be fighting against God. And you don't even know it. You got good intentions. You may be fighting against God and your good intentions. So that's why we got to pray, God, what are you doing in my kid's life? Help me join you in that. Help me be right there with you. Because I know, God, you're trying to lead them back to life, lead them away from death. Because it's not better to serve the Egyptians. It's not better to serve the world. It's not better to serve ourselves. But Moses is a whole lot more mature than I am. Because he said to the people, he gave them truth. Three things right here he says. Don't be afraid. That's, do you realize number one command in the Bible, right? You're going to find that command somewhere between 75 and 85 times in the Bible. Some, some derivative of that right there. Fear not. Why is that the number one command from God in the Bible? Because that's our greatest struggle, isn't it? We all struggle with being afraid. Because when we're boxed in and there's no rational way I'm going to get out of this, fear is going to, it's natural. It's going to hit us. So what is the opposite of faith? It isn't doubt. The opposite of of faith is fear. Me not believing God is good. That's really it. The two most important things you got to know. This is it. Number one, who is God? Number two, your position in Christ for a Christian. You got those two things down? You got 98% of the battle right there. When we really know that God is good, and he's got good intentions, irregardless of my circumstances, and I know my position in Christ, the enemy can't change that, then listen, God is always going to be able to deliver, rescue, show himself strong, build your faith. It changes everything. So three things, okay? Don't be afraid, stand firm, and see the Lord, not your salvation, see the Lord's salvation. 
that he, not you, will accomplish, he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about the don't be afraid part, okay? Here's what Charles Spurgeon said about fearing the Lord. He said, the fear of the Lord is a holy and reverent awe of God. So to, be, to fear God, see that over and over again in the Bible, what does that mean? That means that I've got this awe and respect for God. Number three, the more we fear the Lord, the less we will fear everything else. Amen. I mean, everything. People, health problems. Listen, if I got a healthy fear of the Lord, then I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to lose everything in this world and on this earth. I'm not afraid of any of that because I know I'm living in the Father's house. Hey, listen, you want to live in the Father's house? It's good. It's good to live in the Father's house. You know why? Because he protects and he provides. Does everything go good in the Father's house? Oh, you get disciplined in the Father's house because he loves you. Things still go wrong in the Father's house, but ultimately the Father's the one that's responsible for the end, not me. Daddy's going to take care of all this because I'm living in his house. He pays the bills. It's his house, his property. I follow his rules. Man, I love my daddy. He is a good father. So when bad things happen, I don't question whether my daddy's good or not. I know he's good. That's good in the Father's house. Why aren't you living in the Father's house? Why are you wandering around out there on your own? Why are you going your own way? Why are you exposing yourself to all of that stuff? Stand firm. That's what it says right there in the Hebrew. Ta-amodu-na. That means, listen, the na right here means urge. I urge you to keep standing. So that command says, I'm urging you. He said, most turn around and says, listen, don't be afraid. I'm urging you to stand right here. Stay here. <laughs> they couldn't go anywhere else, by the way. Look at this. In the New Testament, Galatians 5.1, for freedom. Has anybody been set free in here? Yes. Anybody been set free from the sin? Anybody been set free from the world, the flesh, the devil? Anybody in the church been set free this morning? That's my question, okay? So here's the good news. If you have been set free, look at this. For freedom, Christ set us free so you can live in that freedom. Look at this. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to that slavery right there. Stako right here is a Greek word to be firmly committed in conviction or belief. Let me ask you something. Are you firmly committed to Jesus? Have you got strong convictions about your faith in Christ? That's what it says right there. That is what you've got to have. Hebrews 12, 5 through 7. I love Hebrews 12. I hope I love the whole Bible, but I especially like this. And you have forgotten, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And I will say daughters too. Don't take offense to this, ladies. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. Man, how many times have I seen us do that, myself included? Lose heart when God lovingly disciplines me. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Are you loved by the Lord today? Yeah. Does he love you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. For the, for the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves, and he punishes every son that he receives. Because when this was written, there was like the Roman and the, the Jewish world, the dads disciplined their children. This wasn't, a, this wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Look at that. Here, it's gonna, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. So, are you suffering today? If you are suffering today, look at what the Bible says. 
It says, endure suffering as discipline. So understand this. Take that suffering that you got right there and take it and move it out of the suffering and put it over into the discipline. Out of suffering, move it over into discipline. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as a son. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? Now, let's talk about this word endure right here. Hupamete right here. Hupamete. That means a patient, persistent endurance. A willingness to bear up under difficult circumstances in faith and obedience. So here's what I got for you today. It's the next one on your outline, number four. This is what, you've heard me joke about this a lot, and I joke about this, but it helps me in truth. This is a little bit of a joke, but it's a serious truth. Some of you that hang around me, you heard me say this to you whenever you're going through hard times. When you're going through hard times, people that are around me, I was like, man, the Lord must really love you. If you can say the Lord must really love me when faced with difficult situations, it enhances your kingdom vision. It changes the way that you perceive the hard times, the suffering, the difficult things that you're going through. Because here's what I can tell you. If you love the Lord, then this is for sure. When you're going through hard times, he is lovingly disciplining you. Now, you might be sitting around here, I really wish God wouldn't discipline me so much. Let me ask you something. Do you want the Lord to love you a whole bunch? Because he does. Do you want to be sanctified? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want to be closer to the Lord? Do you want to live closer and closer to the Lord? Do you want to enjoy his presence like you never have before? I can tell you this much. Coming and sitting in church doesn't do it. I mean, all I'm doing right now is I'm just showing you what the Bible says, and it's your choice whether or not you do this or not. No one makes you do this. But I can tell you, listen, the problem, you know this. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know right now. The problem with our world today is we lack self-discipline. We love our comfort. You know, in our culture today, like if you go back to like 100 years ago, you look at, you study how much the people within our culture serve the community around them. It has decreased drastically in the last 15 years. Man, whenever the, the, the media hit us, it really took a nosedive. To where like now today, most of our kids don't even think about serving their community or our young people. And we're wondering, what's wrong with everything? What, what's happening to our our culture. Well, it's got back to the point to where it's all about me. I mean, listen, I want to tell you something. I am quite shocked that all of y'all are here this morning, by the way. I mean, it, it surprised me every Sunday I come in and I see all of y'all here because what the Bible says is counter to our culture. So I must be thinking that if you come in here and you come back every Sunday, you must be recognized there's something wrong with our culture. And the Bible's got the answer to it. And all we're doing is looking at the Bible, and the Bible says, stop living for yourself. you got to die to yourself. you got to serve the Lord, serve other people. You can't make it all about you. And when we do that, man, we're set free. See the salvation of the Lord. Psalms 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Anybody, huh? Come on now. Whom should I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Man, that's good. And let's go to the New Testament, too. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all the people. Are you saved today? Man, you don't see some people get baptized here in a few minutes. Man, have, have, you, have you been baptized? We're going to take communion here in a minute. How long has it been since you've taken communion? Is communion special to you? Is it just something you go through the motions? Man, I'm going to tell you something. Guys, Listen. We serve a precious and loving God. 
and we come into church, and I'm just as guilty as anybody. We flippantly go through the motions. We never even stop and think of his holiness and his goodness, how good he is, how much we love him, how much he loves us. And we just walk out of church, and we're like, oh, I'm ready to go eat. I'm tired. I'm glad that preacher finally showed up. He just went right through the motions. I wonder what it would be like if Jesus just came walking through those doors in the flesh. Do you wonder what that would be like? Let me tell you something. If you think, oh, I would jump up and go over and run and hug him. Let me tell you something. That glory would be so strong, it would probably put you on your back. That glory that's so powerful and so loving and so radiant and so wonderful. If you ever got close to the glory, you know what I'm talking about. It is something else. And so when we come in here and we just go flow through the motions, man, do you see that something's wrong? Here's the good news today. Some of y'all need to stop fighting and let the Lord fight for you. Some of y'all need to take your hands and I'll carry you under wood. Take your hands off the wheel and Jesus take the wheel. I don't know. There might be some theology in that. I don't know. He needs to be the one driving. It's his car anyway, you know. Some of y'all are fighting the battle yourself. Some of y'all are trying to control things. And man, you are beating your head against the wall. And God's got you in here this morning as trying to rescue you from yourself. He's trying to tell you that if you will just see what he's doing and join him in that, he will fight your battles for you. You do realize nobody's trying to trick you into anything right now, right? I mean, nobody's going to pass the plate in the mint. I'm not going to ask for your money. I'm going to try to get you to be a church member or anything like that. Man, we leave all that between you and God. Only thing we're trying to do is show you what the word of God says about him and about you. And why is he telling them to be quiet? <laughs> why is he telling them to be quiet? He's telling them to be quiet because all they're doing is complaining about him and God. He, I mean, like, you know, you want to give the East Texas version for that? All y'all better shut up. <laughs> so kingdom vision enables us to see God's faithfulness, even in the worst of circumstances. Man. Because it's easy to good God, see God's faithfulness when everything's going good, right? I mean, when we're, when we're walking across the desert there and, and, and we're seeing the, the presence of God, and everybody's happy and Pharaoh's back in Egypt and he's defeated, it's easy to see the faithfulness of God. But man, when we get boxed in and we turn around and look and Pharaoh's changed his mind, he's coming down on us, that's what I need to know about the faithfulness of God. This is what I'm telling you this morning, church. That if you never face a hard time with Jesus, then you'll never learn about his faithfulness. You can't learn it by reading a book or sitting in church. You've got to experience it for yourself. None of us sitting here thinking, man, I sure hope God gets me into a tight spot today. That'll be wonderful. I mean, that's, I mean, we don't do that, but here's what I'm telling you. When it does happen, he, listen, here's the first question you got to ask yourself. Am I living in the Father's house? Man, if I'm right there as close to the Father as I can be, then listen, it doesn't matter who boxes us in. It's not about me anymore. It's us now. Because I got close enough to Jesus, you got to box him in too, dude. Try that one. Oh, they did try that, by the way, didn't they? They're going to push him off the cliff right there in his hometown. Remember that? The Bible says he turned around and walked through the middle of them. How did he do that? 
Why wouldn't one of them just, one of them big old strapping bucks just roll around and grab him? And, hmm? Because he was God. They couldn't touch him. Just like they can't touch him today. So that's why I want to get as close to him as I possibly could be. So I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know why these verses are in here. I mean, I put them in there, and I was like, God, I don't know why I'm putting these in here, but I know that you must know, and I know that when I get up there on Sunday morning, you're going to show me why. So let's dig in. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Are you going through a trial today, dear friend? Because you know the testing of your faith, that it produces endurance. That's a little different than the hupomeno. It's hupomano right here. Hyperstand, the ability for you to stand strong. And you need to let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete because God wants you lacking nothing. So here's my question today. Are you letting it have its full effect in your life. And then there's one more verse that I don't know why it's here, but let's look at it. Dear friends, don't be surprised. Are you surprised today? Maybe you're surprised that you're sitting here today. Maybe you thought, I'll never go back to a church in a million years. Maybe you're surprised that you're sitting in church in Martin's Mill. Maybe you're like, I never thought I'd go to church in Martin's Mill. I'm sure that if we started right here with Jeff and Christian, started walking array around the room, that every single one of us could say, yeah, you know, there was a point in my life where I was really surprised that I was there. We could all do that, couldn't we? Some of y'all are like, yeah, multiple times. Look at what the Bible says. Don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you with a purpose, and that purpose is to test you. Are you going through a test today? Trials in your life? Is God testing you to see if you truly, really trust him? As if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, and there's that word again, rejoice. Rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. So is your heart breaking today? Have the people that you love the most hurt you the worst? And the Bible says, consider it great joy. The Bible says, move that from suffering to discipline. That you're in the Father's house and he loves you. Would you please stand this morning? So, you know, one of, the, um, one of the worst things that, that has happened also to our culture in the last 15 years is that we have become isolated. And, you know, I know that whenever I said, man, I really just, I, I want to go to that church, 
and I really want to just go sit in there and everybody leave me alone. And I also, you know, I've been around long enough to know, too, that whenever you come to a room like this and it's full like this, it's easier to do that and to hide. And here's what I can tell you. There may be some people in here that come looking for you. It may happen. I don't know. I can't, I can't promise that everybody's going to leave you alone. And I hope that they don't. But here's what I can Listen, I want to tell you something. If, you, if that's you, I want you to hear me, okay? The Father sees you. And he loves you. And he knows where you're at. And he has good plans for you. It's not plans to harm you, but to help you. Did you come to a safe place today? You did. You came to the Father's house. And here's the call today is don't leave. Well, you may walk out of these doors physically, but don't walk out spiritually. He just wants you to be close. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he's got arms that want to wrap around you and keep you safe. So no one can harm you in the Father's house. It's a good place. So if that's you, and you're struggling with all that this morning, I'm going to pray for you. So God, I just pray. God, I pray for that person this morning that's hurting. That struggled over even coming into this church today. As they were in their house this morning, they were battling getting out of the house. They didn't want to come. And they're here. And when they came in, they sat down. They were second questioning themselves. They didn't even know why they were here. God, I pray for that person right now. God, I pray that they would feel your love. That they would feel your tenderness pulling them in closer to yourself, oh God. God, I pray for the ones here today that are trying to hide in the crowd and they just want to come to church but they don't want to serve. God, I pray that you help them to see the kingdom this morning. I pray that you would help them to see these defense mechanisms that they built that they're not from you. God, I pray that you would stir in their hearts to get back engaged in kingdom work. So maybe you need to pray something like this. So God, I need my kingdom vision corrected. I'm having a hard time seeing what you're doing in my circumstances. Can you pray something like that?
Maybe you pray something like this. God, I just want to live in your house, Father. Closer to you than I ever have before. Just remove the barriers, Lord, that are that I have made, that are pushing me away from you, my self-made barriers. I pray, God, that you just show me, grant me repentance of those. You pray that, you pray that to draw me into yourself. So don't you look at the screen, if you would, please. So we're about to take communion. So as we take communion, we're always wanting to make sure that everything is good between us and God. So I want you to look at this and let's think about this is a prayer out of Psalm 139, 23 and 24. David prayed. Would you look at that screen and just in your heart, think about that prayer. Do you want God to search you? He already knows your heart. And when it says, test me and know my concerns and what I'm praying is I'm asking that God will show me, you know, what is it I'm worried about? What is it I'm fearful about? What is it that, that I'm afraid that I can't let go of? What sin am I hanging on to? See if there's any offensive way. Is there any way that I've offended other people? Is there any way that I've offended the Holy Spirit and what I've done? And lead me in the everlasting way, a way of repentance. So is there something that you need to bring before the Father before you take communion this morning? And you take that opportunity right now. So this is the most sacred thing that we do when we take communion. It's the most serious and sacred thing we ever do as Christians. So I don't take this lightly and I would ask and I advise you not to do it either. And I would ask you also that like, that right here from this moment till we get through, that you don't talk to people sitting around you. That they, if it comes time to get the elements, that if they want them, they can come get them. We will wait. Don't turn the person next to you and ask you if you want them to get them or anything like that. If you know they need you to get them, you get them. But I want to ask you not to talk. And the reason I ask you not to talk is because maybe for you this isn't so serious that you think you can talk to other people around you, but there's some people around you that this is serious to them and they're trying to focus sacred. It's a holy moment. So I would ask you not to talk. Let's just, just in this moment right here, that as we take the elements, when it comes time for us to pray, we'll all pray together. That's, we'll talk to the Father. But let's just, just for a moment here, a few minutes, let's just contemplate our heart, our relationship with God, and how beautiful and wonderful this is that we get to partake in communion with the Lord. So when you're ready, there's communion at the front on both sides, and then there's communion at the back right in front of the sound booth. You can head out and get the elements.
So I want you to get the scene. So we're coming up on what's considered to be Holy Week this week. And we're going to have a Good Friday service. In that Good Friday service, what we will do is we will contemplate the cross. We'll take communion. It's going to be real low-key. Um, Josh, I don't know if he'll have the whole full band. He may just be him and the guitar. Sing a few songs. I'm going to take you through some meditations. And we'll take communion. And it'll be over with real quickly. Um, we'll only have the nursery. So your kids will be in here with us. And they will not bother us if they're in here. So just know that. And if kids bother you, then don't come. Just, um, but this is Holy Week. And um, I hope this is a special week for you. I hope this is more meaningful of a week to you than Christmas week or New Year's or whatever. This is Holy Week. So there's more written about this week about in the life of Jesus than all the rest of his life put together. Most of what you read in the Gospels happened on the last week of Jesus' life. So they're, they're, they are celebrating the Passover meal. We just studied that a few weeks ago. The Passover lamb, the blood over the doorpost, passing over the death angels, the wrath of God passing over. And he's having, he's having this Passover meal with his disciples. And as they're going through what they always go through every year, he's, he's talking about now this is a new covenant. He's saying that, that he is the lamb, that he's the lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And that, that these elements, that, that bread and that wine, it was always pointing to him. It was always pointing to his body, his death. Now we're gonna talk about the death on Friday. It's gonna be a somber service, but we'll talk about the resurrection on Sunday and it better not be somber. <laughs> if it's somber, we got a problem. But right now, here's what we do. We contemplate as we do this. We contemplate the death. Why is that important? Because he substituted his life for you so the wrath of God would pass over your life. So he paid for your sin so you don't have to pay for it. I mean, I, I can't articulate the value of that. I'm going to fall short every time. Why do we read these scriptures every time? Because this is what Paul's telling the church of Corinth is what the Lord was doing when he instituted the new covenant to the church. We are the church. For I received from the Lord, Paul says, the church of Corinth, what I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So that's what we're doing here. We're coming to the Lord's table. So we always picture ourselves sitting down at the table with Jesus. And you can go ahead and open up. Let's take out the bread if you haven't done that yet. And so it was leavened bread, unleavened bread, I mean. It was unleavened bread that they ate. It was unleavened bread that we still celebrate communion with today. And this unleavened bread represents the body of Jesus. Now, do I believe this turns into the physical body of Jesus? No, I don't. But I believe there's something mysterious and supernatural when I take this. Maybe you believe it does. Okay, I don't. That's what, I won't die on that hill, and you and I can disagree on that. We still take communion together. But I, I don't believe this is just simply a representation. I believe there's something mysteriously wonderful about it, too. And I don't believe when they roll that baptistry in here, either, that's just a representation. I believe there's something beautiful and mysterious that happens in that, too. 
So right now, as we take this, this is you communing with Jesus. This is as close as you will commune with Jesus on earth. So think about this. Have you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? You're about to take in something that represents his death into your body. You receive it, assimilate it. It's become a part of you. Jesus should be the biggest part of you. Are you thankful for this today? Are you moved into the sacredness of this moment today? Then if you want to, you can pray with me. We pray together out loud. If you feel comfortable, join us. Dear Jesus, thank you for your body. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the cross. You are my God. You are my Lord. You are my King. And you are my Savior. Let's see it in faith. So in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if you haven't yet, you can go ahead and open up the juice. So it's so interesting to me that like for in the Old Testament, when they took the blood of the lamb, they put it over the threshold of the house. Everybody inside the house was saved. They were safe from the wrath of God. That blood sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God. The blood of the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's what this represents. How that works in God's economy, I don't understand, but I know this, that when you're under the blood, you're redeemed, you're forgiven, and the wrath of God passes over your life. What a beautiful thing that is. So think about this. No greater love, no greater love as any man had than a man that lays down his life for you. And that Jesus laid down his life for us that even when we were enemies, he still died for us. No one has loved you like this. So as we contemplate communion and the blood, think about this, the beauty of your salvation. So if you feel comfortable, you pray with me, dear Jesus. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your obedience. You're my God. You're my King. You're my Lord. And you're my Savior. Let's drink. So as they roll... the baptistry in, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you every single time we do this. That does not save you, okay? 
and I'm going to say that every single time because I've always said this. And then one time, one Sunday, I did a baptism, and I got and I, I saw that the person that I baptized, their friend put on, and th that friend had been to my church many, many times, saw me do baptism, and that friend said, I didn't know y'all were getting saved today. That didn't save them. So, I mean, please hear me. This does not save you. So y'all may be thinking this looks like somebody, some undertakers in a coffin. <laughs> so here's what I want to tell you, in, in all seriousness, this represents the death and the burial and the resurrection. So I think it's kind of interesting that that, you know, that's what I was thinking as they were rolling it out. So we've got two people that are going to be baptized this morning. Um, we've got four next Sunday that are slated to get baptized. So here's what I'm gonna tell you. If God's laid on your heart that you need to be baptized, do it. Don't listen. Be obedient to that. If you're like, it doesn't make any sense. Did it make sense that God led them to a boxed in place? I mean, like, once again, don't try to figure this out logically. If God is calling you to be baptized, he's put it on your heart, and you're, and you're afraid of what somebody may think or something like that, it's time for you to die to yourself and be obedient. You'll be glad you did. So I want to encourage you. Let me, let me or the elders know before you leave out, and we will make sure that that gets done. If you want to do it next Sunday on Resurrection Sunday, no better Sunday. Come on and join the fun. All right, let's get the short guy first. <laughs> I am really interested to watch you walk across this. I want to see, do you want help? You don't, do you? I'll hold your hand if you want me to. He didn't bump his head. All right. The gentle giant here. Justin the gentle giant. This is Justin. And... Um, so he came to what we call Discover the Bridge. He and his wife came, and he, he, told, he told us as elders they want to get baptized, and he said he wanted to get baptized in ice water. And Lexi wanted to get baptized that Sunday too, so we had to put a next on the ice water. <laughs> but all serious, you know, in all seriousness, though, you know, he has never been baptized before. He is following Christ. I mean, this is something that he came to faith how many, about how long ago, which is just last few years or a couple of years. So he's, he's only come to faith in the last few years, and he's never been baptized. And so when we were going through Discover the Bridge, one of the sections that we, we cover in there is baptism. And he was like, man, I want to get baptized. And um, so we were like, we'll be happy to do that and take care of that. So that's what Justin is doing this morning. So Justin, do you believe that Jesus is your Savior? Yes, sir. Do you believe he is the king of the kingdom of heaven? Do you believe he's reigning and ruling over your life right here and right now today? Are you willing to submit to that? Yes, sir. So do you recognize that this is a representation of your death, burial, and your resurrection to a new life? Yes, sir. All right. Then upon that profession of faith right there, then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Yeah, man, you got your money's worth up here on the front row, didn't you? <laughs> All right, Alexis, come on down. Lexi, or what do you want me to call you, Lexi or Alexis? Call me Lexi. Okay, Lexi, come on down. So I'm not going to make fun of you like I did Justin, but <laughs> Justin, he's a, he's a good guy. You are too, a good girl, so don't want to say that. So <laughs> Lexi, um, you know, she, she came, she's friends with Levi. Wave your hand over there, Levi. Wake up, brother. He works nights at Whataburger. He's part of the Whataburger crew that comes and they come with Donnie and Frankie. And so Lexi works with, um, with, with Levi, and she came a few weeks ago. And, you know, w- when she came, the Holy Spirit struck her heart. And um, she's, she believes in Jesus. Um, she's saved, but she has never been baptized. And whenever we said, hey, anybody wants to be baptized? Man, she made a beeline for me, um, just tears rolling down her face. And she came to me and she said, I want to be baptized. So here's what I want you to understand. So why did Jesus get baptized? He did it as a testimony. Did Jesus need to have his sins washed away? He wouldn't have any sins, did he? He did it as a testimony. Think about that. So that's what... That's what Justin and Alexia are doing here today. This is a testimony to the world and everybody around that, 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 listen, Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God, and I'm living in the kingdom, and I'll testify that he is my king, he's my Lord, that he's my Savior. So, Alexia, do you believe that? Yes, sir. you believe that he is your Lord and your Savior? Absolutely. He's the king of the kingdom. Yes. Are you living in the kingdom? Yes. Are you willing to submit to that kingdom? Well, I like that answer. She said 100%. Then upon that profession of faith, Lexi, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Man, I should have warmed up before I baptized Justin. It's a full-grown dude. All right, so before you leave out, really, if God's calling you to baptism, don't walk out those doors without talking to somebody. Do it. Next Sunday, join the fun. It's good to have you in church this morning. Are you glad you didn't have to listen to a um, sermon about Palm Sunday? Nobody said yes. All right, let's stand up. <laughs> a loaded question. I know how to answer that. Good to see you this morning. Hope that the Lord spoke to your heart. My prayer for you this week, I'm going to pray every day over, I don't not by name, some of you by name, but I'm going to be praying over all of you this week that God will be reminding you this week. Everybody that was in church Sunday morning, God, remind them of what you were saying in their heart. Stir that in their heart today. That's my prayer over you, that God, that you would revive them, draw them to yourself. So that's how I pray for you every single week. And I would ask you to join me in that prayer too, that whatever God was saying to you this morning, ask him every day, God, remind me of what you were saying. Speak to my heart. Help me to be obedient. Was it good to be in church this morning? Was it good seeing those baptisms? Oh, praise the Lord. God is good. Not anything that we have done, all about what he has done. We're praising him. He is a good, good father. So, Father, we thank you today for all the blessings you bless us with. We thank you that we got to come to church, to worship, to fellowship, to commune, to witness baptism. Man, it's been a good day, God. We're so, so grateful. 
that we get to be a part of what you are doing, Lord. So God, we just pray this week, as we go out into our lives, that you would just help us open our spiritual eyes, help us to have kingdom vision, to see what you're doing in and around us, God, and give us the desire and the capacity to join you in that. So I'll pray this prayer over you today as you leave out. It's out of number six, 24 through 26. I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go in Jesus' name.